Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 Culture That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Culture Fit, episode 21, coming in your ears. I sat down in my living room, Lango, from the scratch, sat down on his tube, probably, I've no idea, and we chatted. Um, yeah, big thank you to Lango for doing that. I've really, really, it was nice to pass the time, and it was like a really good chat. It was really nice. I fucking love the scratch. So it was nice to just to talk about the scratch um we had some laughs or oh, i had some laughs um that's for sure um i guess i'm rambling now so yeah i hope you're doing well take care enjoy the podcast cheers hey lango how you doing i'm fantastic man um i just tried my first here actually Promise me you'll do this um, after this podcast, right? You know your man, Wim Hof? Did you ever hear him? I haven't, no. So he's this chap who, there was a voice documentary on him done a couple of years ago. And he's called, it's, I think it's called like The Iceman. It's basically this chap who's like learned how to control or regulate his immune system through breathing techniques. And uh, so, yeah, he does this thing like <clears throat> he has this camp at the foot of uh, a mountain in Poland, which is like the highest mountain in Poland. And what he does is <clears throat> he trains people for two weeks in his in his technique. Like He calls it the Wim Hof technique. And then at the end of the two weeks, he gets the campers to climb the mountain in their swimming shorts. And they all do it. So, like, basically, it's just like building up this, 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 or strengthening your immune system. So, anyway, he has this app called the Wim Hof app. And uh, he posted this 30 day challenge there. So, I was like, fuck it, I'll try it. And I just did the breathing technique there. And after you do four rounds of this breathing technique, and then you get in and have a cold shower for a minute. And I'm telling you, it was the longest fucking minute of my <laughs> life. But I feel amazing. And I've only done one. Like, this is the day one. I feel like I could fucking lift a bleeding car. Like, you know what I mean? So, That's I'm amazing. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> it's, it's, um, yeah, it's just wild how um, thinking about your breathing can kind of change your your life, I guess. It's crazy. Like, it's just, <clears throat> I mean, it's intense breathing. Like, you breathe in, like, really fast and sharp through your mouth. And you breathe 70% of that air out and you do that 30 times. And then when you exhale for the 30th time, you try and hold your breath for as long as possible. And then when you feel the urge to take a breath, you take one deep breath in and hold that for 15 seconds. And then that's one round of the breathing technique. So you do four rounds of that. And by the end, you're just like tingling because there's like so much, I don't know, I presume it's just like because you're just flooded with oxygen. And uh, yeah. your, your whole body's just buzzing. And then you hop in this shower and it's fucking... And our heating is uh, broken at the minute because 
we turned the water off to try and fix this uh, water leak in the uh, in the kitchen. And uh, when we turned it back on, just the heat stopped working. So it's fucking Baltic in our gaff right now. <laughs> so hopping into the shower after that was just, I just, I did not want to do it. But my God, man, I can't believe how I feel after this. So do it. Promise me you'll do it. Download the app. Hop in the shower for a minute. You won't Sounds know good. yourself. I guess, so did you kill two birds with one stone and have a quick shower when you're in there for the minute? Just because you oh, don't want to go in a cold shower later? Oh, man, I just, I didn't even, I couldn't even touch the soap. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe it's not been a minute yet. And like, I was kind of just, because like, our, our shower is so shit as well, that like, you can't really submerge yourself in it. So like, I was just kind of, the front of me was just like getting showered and then every once in a while I'd do a 360 to get the whole thing, you know, to get the whole body submerged. <laughs> but, uh, so it wasn't even like, I mean, <clears throat> it it wasn't even a proper 100% cold shower because only the front of me was getting doused for the most part of it. But Jesus Christ, man, it made a difference. Amazing. Um, <laughs> that's amazing so do you think that's what the first do you, are you doing what he's doing with the people that come to Poland or do you think you're just doing a little bit of a like a smallest like part of what he does with you these Def- people it would definitely be like on the smaller end of the scale or like you know it wouldn't be as um, yeah like I mean I don't know too much about the camp but I mean it's two weeks straight and there are like he has like breathing tech the breathing technique is one of the exercises that he endorses and uh i think like what they do is like you know they're going out into frozen lakes and stuff and just fully submerging themselves so like yeah i'm kind of literally like dipping the toes but it's mad it's i I can only imagine what it feels like after two weeks of being around that chap because like when you when you watch interviews with him He's got such an energy about him as well. He's 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 got a magnetic energy. You know, you'd 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 be energized just by being around him. Never mind, you know, what he has to offer. You know, in terms of like, you know, um, what he is advertising and what he's doing in his camps. But uh, he he just seems like a top bloke. It's a good. It's yeah. only a half an hour voice uh, documentary. It's called The Ice Man. Worth worth checking out. Very interesting man. Yeah, I'll give that a go and I'll uh, download the uh, the app later on. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, so I guess with the podcast, uh, I thought we'd um, we'd start by going like back to the beginning. I guess. Are you from Dublin? Um, I guess. Yeah. Like I've been living here since I was uh, eight years old. So yeah, I I consider myself a dub, a dub at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, I lived with my grandparents until I was eight, and then moved up to Dublin then and i've been here since so yeah sweet and um do you think that's it for the time being i mean i i think so i mean i am getting the urge to travel um i love dublin i think when i when i grew up i resented it um i was just i think because of what i was into like i wasn't really into gaelic football or hurling you know like the you know, Irish sports or any sport for that matter and uh, I, I was mad for like you know music and particularly metal when I was younger and then I was into skateboarding and stuff like that and there wasn't really that Ireland didn't cater for that those interests so I, I kind of yeah, yeah I, I didn't like it and then when I started touring 
uh, I grew to really appreciate it. And now I just, yeah, I, I, I love it. Like I couldn't see myself ultimately settling somewhere else. Um, yeah. But traveling, yeah, like I do, ha- I do have the urge to just to travel big time and getting that more and more and just yeah. to travel for the sake of traveling, not, not playing shows and seeing like a fraction of a city, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. for, for a few hours and then sleeping because you're exhausted and then going on to the next place. But, um, um, yeah. So, so was it like, like you said, you weren't really like into sports and stuff. Was, was it music and metal that was the first thing that was like your own? Yeah. Yeah. Quite a shy kid. Um, and you know academically quite average sports like I wasn't absolutely shy at sports but I wasn't great you know what I mean and I didn't particularly yeah. enjoy them so music was the first thing uh, I mean music I was I was into since I, like my first memories are of, of music but like just getting you know picking up an instrument and stuff like that that was the, that was the first time you know that that's when I was like I, I realized I had a passion for it you know and yeah I, I just ran with it and was it always drums for you? Um, yeah, I had a, I had a, I got a present when I was four years old, uh, a Christmas present. And it was a, it was a set of drumsticks and a, and a like this bucket of this tub of peanuts, and which makes no sense. He doesn't even remember buying it because i told him years later i was like you know you started this whole thing like you know you sent me that weird present he was like jesus i don't even remember doing that but like i think from then i was like it that that directed my focus towards drums in particular and uh yeah and then but i always like i i always i'd I'd love to be able to play you know guitar you know other instruments but like i just yeah i stuck with drums and then started singing only in the last since the, the scratch started really that's when, that's when uh, I started singing yeah yeah because um I feel like um your rep- like reputation precedes you as like I was always told about um this like drummer who was like the best drummer in Ireland and it was you for like years I, I feel like at this point fucking um, hell. who told you that <laughs> I've I've heard it a few times actually um Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so when did you, so obviously, yeah, four years old, you're like annoying the family, just tapping on empty, like peanut, peanut, um, boxes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's <laughs> gas. I didn't actually do anything with those sticks until I started playing, but I don't know. It's just, they were just there. Cause at the end of the day, it was a set of drumsticks and a tub of peanuts. So like it entertained me for all of an hour, I'd say, but it, it, it more, it more so put the thought of playing drums and then, then began, <clears throat> you know the journey of trying to convince my parents to let me play drums and that that happened around <laughs> age 12 and then I was very fortunate in that you know they let me you know we lived my parents live in a semi-detached house you know so it's you know and the drums went out the back in the shed and my neighbors were totally cool with it they let me bang around um yeah it, I, yeah I, I was allowed practice with little to no complaints and uh, so, yeah, it was. Uh, I was fortunate in that regard. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And then, were you like um, getting lessons, or were you like drumming along to stuff? So, like, you're like liking bands, and then you're like playing along st- straight away. Not really. I I had a habit of just arsing around. I mean, sorry, I did take lessons. 
I think that was part of the deal. My parents were like, look, <clears throat> you're going to get lessons. We'll see how you get on. If you keep it up, um, cool. We'll, 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 we'll see how it goes. So I went and started taking lessons um, at the age of 12. And then my birthday rolled around about six months later. And so I was like, here, look, I'm still doing this. How are you? Sorry, I'm doing a podcast here. Yeah. Sorry, that's my housemate, Keen. <laughs> you all right? All right, he seems all right. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, so then around the six-month mark, I was like, right, I'm still doing this. Any chance of a drum kit? And uh, so they were like, yeah, cool, cool. And then I, I continued to get lessons off this this chap called, uh, his name's Keanu Callahan, And he he introduced me to bands like Soundgarden and stuff and uh, showed me the ways of, of Matt Cameron and he'd break down beats for me that I was trying to learn. Like I was getting mad into Pantera at the time and then I was a huge Thin Lizzy fan and he'd, he'd scribe out beats, you know, for me. And, and he had yeah. like two big PA speakers behind the drum kit. And uh, <clears throat> he'd like <clears throat> one memory that sticks out is, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. He was, uh, or he wrote out this beat for us and, uh, he was like, right, I want you to learn that and then come back into me next week. I was like, right, cool. And I went at it for a week and I had it down, came back in and he was like, all right, cool. And then he just put on uh, When the Levy Breaks by Led Zeppelin. And he was like, do you recognize that beat? And I was like, oh my God, it's the beat. You know, like the, the beat. Yeah. I've been playing all week. And he was like, right, play along to it there. And so that was the first time I actually played along to a song. And I was just like, hooked you know at that point I got so much joy out of jamming along to this song um, and that was the first time yeah I'd actually played along to a song um, and I think that was that was the that was the the moment that solidified the whole drumming thing in terms of like right well, I'm keeping this up anyway because this feels amazing um, and but like other than that I, I just yeah I had, a, I had a big habit of just faffing around yeah and then when I started jamming with friends you know I just I was more into writing and and creating more so than than uh, learning other people's you know parts although I did do that later on because it's just I mean it's good it's good practice it's good it's good to learn other people's approaches and it improves your technique all that all that stuff you know yeah yeah so were you finding these um these i presume like kids friends that you were playing music with was that found through like you just happened to be in the same class at school or was it like finding the people that like the same music or was it like going down the skate park and being like oh you also play bass we should jam or how are you finding those people doc our guitar player one of one of our guitar players um <clears throat> went to school with me we had a our lockers were next to each other in in, in the first year of secondary school and he I just got friendly with him because he was, I was aware that he was into like heavy music and I was starting to tap into that more and more. Like at the time I was listening to, you know, rinsing like Papa Roach's first album and, you know, Biscuit and like I was 12 years old and uh, that was about as heavy as I got. And then he was like, here, mate, have you ever heard of Metallica? And I was like, no. And then he showed me Enter Sandman and I was like, Jesus Christ. These are fucking amazing. And then he put he put me on to the likes of Pantera and stuff like that as well. And he was also just getting into guitar. And uh, 
we were uh, sent off to this camp. It's called uh, the Gaeltacht. And basically what it is, is kids from around Ireland go down to the West Coast, or not the, not particularly the West Coast, but like in Irish-speaking districts in Ireland, and they spend two to three weeks uh, just speaking nothing but Irish and like yeah. hanging out. Like there's there's like... There's classes in the morning, then there's activities in the evening, and then there's like what's called a Cayley, which is basically like an an Irish disco. It's like old traditional Irish dances. And so that's what your day is comprised of every day for two to three weeks. So I got sent there and so did Doc. And we got particularly friendly there. And then <clears throat> through that, like our parents were introduced to one another and then they kind of like we expressed interest about jamming, you know, we were like, oh, can you know, so Doc's folks were like, well, why doesn't, why doesn't Dan bring his drums out here and spend the week out here and they can just jam. So we just started jamming in Doc's attic, just playing, just uh, playing half arse Metallica covers and then just jamming away. And that's, <laughs> that's when that all started. I think we were about 14, 15 at the time. <laughs> So it 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 kind of I didn't really have to seek it out. It just kind of happened, you know. And then, yeah. you know, one or two other lads from school joined in on the buzz, and we we formed this uh, metal band called Steel Lined. And uh, okay, <laughs> and we just started doing all age gigs, and it kind of just went from there, you know. Yeah, is that um when you how you started meeting other like other kids around your age? Because yeah. like you said, it was a bit difficult. Like Dublin wasn't like a beacon of alternative culture. Yeah, I mean there was this there was this all ages um I guess what was a franchise you call it and it was called Blast. <clears throat> and it was the only it was the only um it was the only gig that we knew of anyway where they allowed underage bands to play. But at the time like there'd be very little you know there was very few metal bands. It was all like, you know, Blink-182 were the big thing, some 41. Yeah. There was a lot of that kind of stuff going on. But we just wanted to go to, like, which I wasn't really into, but like, Jesus, I'd take anything, you know, at that point. I was just like, I just want to go to a gig, you know. And then we started <clears throat> doing the odd blast gig. <clears throat> but I don't think we really met other metal bands until we left school and we started playing shows where the, you know, where it was over 18s that's when we kind of found other people that were into the same buzz as us. So for a long, yeah, all through school, it was kind of quite isolated in terms of, you know, it was just like me and three other lads that I knew from school that were into metal. And we were the, you know, and then a couple of our mates outside of school and they were the only yeah. people that we knew of. Like it was very, yeah, we were very much in our own little bubble. Like this is before, you know, you could fucking go onto Facebook and find, I think Bebo was the, Bebo was the thing <laughs> back then. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, that was it. It was very much just our own little bubble until until we started going to college, and then that's when it kind of that's when it grew legs and our our uh, bubble grew bigger, I guess. Yeah, did you stick with those four and that band for quite some time, or was yeah. it? Um... Yeah, like we we uh, we well, so that band was called Steel Line, and we played a few all ages gigs, and then we became, we changed the name to Red Enemy and then a few other um, members came and went. And then... Yeah, so Red Enemy was going for like quite some time then. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it started with me and Doc and then Kev 
who became Red Enemy's singer, he was initially playing guitar in Steel Lined. Mm. And then one day we just realized the chap could scream. And we were like, <laughs> why don't you just do that? And then we'll get another guitar player in. And we'll just, yeah, we'll change the name and then we'll do this. <clears throat> you know, I guess we wanted to do, around that time, we were, you know, getting into Lamb of God and Kill Switch Engage and Chimera and all those bands. So we wanted to, <clears throat> that's the direction we wanted to go in. You know, we wanted to tune the guitars down to whatever, drop C, drop B, play breakdowns and uh, have some chaps screaming over it. So the, it, it it kind of evolved into Red Enemy and then it, 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 Red Enemy was the, the thing for, I don't know, eight or nine years after that. Um, yeah, because Red Enemy was like... Um like some journey right you did like quite a lot you did a lot didn't you yeah i we wrote what was it we released two eps and then eventually released an album uh a number of years later and but by the time we released the album um it just wasn't i think we were all in a bit of a rush to get we wanted to start touring and uh we wanted to, uh, so we were kind of just writing to get an album together to release so we could start touring instead of just focusing on the music and making it as good as we possibly could. And then I think that that kind of bred desperation in us, which led to just things not working, things not working out the way we wanted to, things not working out the way we wanted them to. And then that just led to frustration, which then just led to us like kind of losing the motivation and the drive to keep it going. So like, by the time the album came out, like we kind of lost all our drive, you know, and it, it naturally just fizzled out after that. Yeah. Um, I do remember, um, I'm pretty sure like, so I'm from Kingston, Southwest London. Right. I'm all, and I'm almost certain you might, you played the fighting cocks in Kingston. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did you do much touring outside, outside of Ireland? We did we did that tour. <clears throat> I believe we did one other tour. And then we when we were over recording the album in LA, we did uh, a two week American tour off the back of that. And then I think the final tour we did was supporting Heart of a Coward. Um it was okay. in November of twenty fifteen. I think by the end of that, then it just na- it came to a natural halt after that. I think we were just we didn't feel motivated to write anymore. Um it I think again it was it was just you know at that point we were signed and the label weren't doing what we thought they would. Um and yeah, yeah. so it, we just kind of were like oh do you know what? I'm already asked for this. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it stopped there and then <clears throat> That's that's when things with the scratch started happening. Um, like uh, myself and Jordo, because we lived together, and we we often just talked about like I'd love to just I'd love to just sing a few songs. I'd love to learn how to sing, but we were both terrified of the idea. You know, we were I was afraid to sing to myself. Never mind to someone else. So yeah. we agreed. <clears throat> we learned this song, a song called uh, Gold. And uh, there's a version, there's a cover version of it by a man named uh, Glenn Hansard. And uh, he, but the song is, the whole way through vocally, uh, 
it's harmonized. So we were like, all right, we'll both be singing the har- like I'll learn this harmony, you learn that harmony. And then we'll sing together and it'll be terrifying, but then it'll be grand because we're both singing together. And uh, so we did that and that kind of started the whole singing thing. And uh, But the tuning um, for that song is like a specific tune and it's this open E tuning. And uh, so Jordo ended up just fooling around on the guitar in that tune. And, and then that, that I, I overheard him one day and uh, I was like, what's that? And he was like, I don't know, I've just been... I don't know, marsing around. I was like, that sounds kind of cool. So I uh, grabbed uh, the cajon. I had this cajon that I got as a present that I'd never used. And we just started jamming it in the kitchen. And, and it became, uh, the fir- like, that led to the first scratch song, which is uh, Drunken Crisp Fingers. It's like an instrumental. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it kind of, we, we we just realized we'd stumbled upon something. We were like, this is, re- this is a lot of fun. And uh, we got Doc and Pete's in. On, on on the action then and we were like here will we will we go busking or let's let's see if we can right let's see if we can write five tunes we'll do a gig and then we'll just start busking it and then that that just became the thing then um and uh yeah so that's when that's when i wouldn't say like i, I don't know i'd love to do a gig with red enemy again i'd love to because I, I, I love all the lads I'd love to just hang out and jam with them and, and do another gig, but it just took a complete backseat when we when we stumbled upon this new thing, you know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But, uh, so, um, how <clears throat> many of you were in Red Enemy from the, in the, in the scratch now? Um, my or sorry, myself, Doc, and Jordo. So the two other guitar players. Okay. Yeah. And then Pete is. Uh, a friend of ours that Doc met in college and he kind of introduced us. And so he was also just, he's a, he's a guitar player, but also dabbled with bass. And so I don't know, I don't know whose idea it was, but I think we all kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Just, me, Doc and Jordan were jamming in the kitchen. We were like, hey, we should get Pete's in. Um, and then Pete's came down and then that was it. It was just, that was it sorted then. Yeah. The lineup. Well, that's really nice that like, um, you know, there's so many, so many people do bands to the point of like, fuck this. So it's nice that you can be like, you know, like it'd be nice when, when, or if we do a Red Enemy thing again, but like we knew it was time to kind of like put it to one side because it wasn't fulfilling what ultimately you want to make music for rather than like, yeah, let's carry on because we have got a label and we have got a record that we should probably like, let's do one more like tour or like this kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Looking back, we just cared too much about what we shouldn't have cared so much about uh, in that we we cared, we, we wanted to get signed, we wanted to tour. Uh, we We just totally lost touch with the idea of creating for the sake of creating. And I think with, so like, there was just so, we had so many expectations. We expected so much from the band and it wasn't delivering. And it was because we approached it with the total wrong attitude, you know, in hindsight. And the scratch was the total opposite, you know. We were so fed up with being frustrated by music. So I think the scratch was just a, a breath of fresh air. Like, we just didn't care about any of that we were just excited that we we stumbled upon this weird tune and that makes us, you know, and because we have the background we all have, we're all, we were all obsessed with metal for so long. We just had this weird approach to playing. 
in this this particular tune and which led to this exciting sound i guess we were excited by it anyway and we were like jesus yeah. you know and then <clears throat> we were just running off the the buzz we were getting from just playing writing music and, and playing you know and just going out in the street and busking and you know if if whoever wants to watch can watch and whoever doesn't can keep walking you know there was no pressure there was no expectation it was just the crack we were having fun and uh you know the scratch just reminded us of you know how important that is and to really just prioritize that and we've tried to do that since just really uh focus on the music you know and just trying yeah. to get better as players and, and just getting the buzz from that rather than i guess like recognition or you know touring or getting a manager or any of that you know yeah because i guess like <clears throat> It happens organically if it happens, doesn't it, really? Like, it doesn't have to. You can chase it. But like you said, when you chase it, it's probably not going to go. It's it's just a bit different, isn't it? Your expectations are different and so so on. Yeah. I mean, everyone's different. This is what's working for us. I think yeah. that was another lesson I learned as well. Like, you know, when, when I saw how the scratch was growing, I was like, this is it. This is how you do it, you know what I mean? And everyone else is doing it wrong, <laughs> you know. But like, it's it, that's that's that was naive of me as well, and it, it's silly. Like, there is no formula, really, you know. Um, for us though, this is the approach, you know. Just yeah. just churn out the tunes because, like I said, we're 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 all fairly comfortable at our respective instruments, but when it comes to singing and writing lyrics, we're we're totally green, you know. We're totally new to it. So we're in a sense, I see my, myself anyway, just playing catch up with all these people who've been writing lyrics and singing since they were teenagers, you know. And so I'm really focused on just keep writing, keep churning out the tunes, keep progressing, you know. <clears throat> and, and you are, I mean, I don't know how many you have away from what you put out, but you do churn the tunes out pretty quick, right? Yeah. Um, I mean... The other gas thing about the scratch was that it was actually making some cash to pay for recordings, you know, um, okay, which yeah. was something we weren't used to. Uh, you know, Jesus trying to squeeze two hundred euro out of a, out of a promoter for a gig, but Red Enemy was you know considered a success. <clears throat> and now it, you know the scratch. <clears throat> well, busking for one, we could we could all make a nice chunk of change off that, and we use that as a means to uh, fund you know, our, our early recordings. And then the more, the more the band grew, you know, the, the more we, uh, well, cause like we, we never really searched out any gigs. So any gig that we did was a gig we did because we were asked to do the gig. And so we were in a, I guess a, we had good bargain in Paris. So we'd be like, right, well, this is the fee. And they could either go, yeah or no. And if they said no, it's like, all right, cool. No worries. But you know, if they said, yeah, we'd be like, all right, there's another nice little chunk of change that we can throw into the kitty. And uh, so we just use that money to record, you know, and try and, and go to a studio that turns out high quality production, you know. So we were like, fuck it. Yeah, let's just fire into these tunes. Like at, when in the early days of the scratch, though, as well, we were all on, on fucking welfare. So we had a lot of time in our hands. And uh, bar bar Pete's Pete's is a uh, Pete's Pete's has a, a a real job, but uh, 
the rest of us the rest of us were fucking uh, blowing in the wind as they say so we had a lot of time in our hands so yeah we we're constantly jamming constantly busking and just firing out the tunes and we're we're trying to maintain that now like just booking time booking a week in a studio and it's like right well, we have to have something done by then so let's let's get the heads together so yeah that that's been the the primary focus of this band f- from the start is just write jam um play gigs and churn out the tunes and um well your first um few tunes are just all instrumental am i right yeah yeah so was there like a song that was written and it was like this could do with vocals this one is like that's the space for vocals or was it like um right fuck it we're gonna sing on it it's fine yeah so initially the scratch was meant to be instrumental i think we all felt quite like quite strongly about that as well i know i did um but people like i said we were busking loads and and people would often come up and just say geez i'd love to hear some i'd I'd love to hear some singing you know and uh which is gas because the the scratch started because me and jordan wanted to try and sing and then we stumbled upon this tune but the scratch itself (laughs) we were just like nah let's just you know no it's instrumental and uh but the more the more we heard that the more we heard that feedback the more i guess it just got into our heads we were like fuck it you know maybe maybe we could sing but like i remember at the time thinking like how am i gonna write any lyrics like i don't even listen to lyrics i don't know like i don't even know what to talk about so uh and eventually like when we did write the first tune with vocals which was get it right up here it was literally just like a piss take you know um but but the tune just came together it was one of those jams where um you know i i just jotted down the words like a few words the lads had a riff and then it was like the first thing that i sang and then (laughs) you know it just came i think we wrote the tune in about fucking 20 minutes and we got really excited about it it just had an energy about it and it made us you know we started to to believe hold on we could actually we could actually sing do you know what We, we might actually be able to do this and then that led to writing Punisher which was the second single we released and we were like alright let's fuck it. this is actually great crack um, let's keep doing this so that's it, it came about like that it was very much there was no there was no um, specific moment where one of us was like let's do this let's put the lyrics in it was just that, it, it had just been said to us numerous times and then it just happened in a jam one day and then yeah. that was the start of that um, and then um, with Punisher, a bit of a sidetrack, I guess, has that like changed it all in that if you talk to someone that likes a scratch, they're always a bit uh, self-conscious that they're like, <laughs> cheering <Yeah. their> <laughs> everyone, I, I think, uh, I mean, it's been a while since we released that. So at the time, though, when at the time people, everyone that talked to me about that song would say, Jesus, I think, geez, I feel like that song was written about me, you know, and which is gas. Cause like, I mean, the irony in it is that like, I've been that chap. I've been, I've burnt the bleeding ears off some <clears throat> poor soul at a party in the past. But I've also <laughs> been on the receiving end of it. And so we're all guilty of her, you know, but yeah, it was gas. The initial reaction was, yeah, people were a bit paro um, <laughs> talking to me, you know, they'd be like, oh, look, I just wanted to say it was a great gig. I'm not trying to punish you or anything like that. And I was like, ah, listen, 
But um, oh. it was funny though. It was funny. Um, that's brilliant. Um, and then, um, so yeah, like you said, you're like learning on the job when it comes to vocals, lyrics, um, listening to this record that you've just released, it does like sound a lot more introspective, I guess. Um, it sounds like a proper, uh, a proper question that like, a I don't know, a, a silly journalist would ask, but like, um, yeah, the lyrics seem a lot more introspective than like this, the, from your releases before. Is that like one, I mean, you might say actually no it's not but like is that a conscious decision because you're like right I've got an album so like we can probably like we've got space to do other things and we can think about this as a whole thing or was it just like the evolution of writing I think again we didn't think about it 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 all just I think that's the theme that ended up growing from us trying to scramble 11 tunes together before because with the album like we recorded our ep the whole buzz in jesus i want to say i know we released it in april of last year i don't know i can't remember when we recorded it i'd imagine it was in the early months of last year um or maybe the end of the year before but anyway that doesn't matter but after we released the whole buzz doc was like do you know what lads we should book let's let's try let's try and get a bloody album together um let's do so we booked studio time for October of last year and um yeah we 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 thought because like we 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 threw the whole buzz together and we were like you know we could definitely fucking bash out 10 tunes definitely get 10 tunes together between now and October so that that so we booked the time and then of course you know we left it we left it till (laughs) the last minute so we were like shit you know uh, scrambling to get these tunes together and I think, I think the the lyrical content is like I, I I've gotten into the habit of taking down things that I hear, um, you know that I find either inspiring or really funny, and uh, I just throw them down into like I have this like note, I have this folder in in my notes on my phone, just scratch lyrics, and there's no, it's not like categorized or anything like that. It's just a load of random lines that make no sense. So anytime we we have a song, I just look into that pile of notes and I'm just like hoping something will stick out and inspire me and then send me down a send me down a rabbit hole or <clears throat> whatever. But I think like a lot of what I take down is just like <laughs> almost like self help, a mixture of self help and gas shit that my mates say. <laughs> so that's that's Which is like, the album pretty much. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> it. So a lot of it is just like you know, I, yeah. A lot of it is just little motivational or inspiring quotes for myself and 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 funny lines and so that's like, like but then like we we you know Jordo's tunes were similar in that like we're just yeah we're we're reflecting on I guess exploring our emotions and and uh, uh, reflecting on on scenarios or situations and how they make us feel and i think that's how the i think that's the that became the theme of the album but it was a very natural thing i think it's just where we're at in our heads yeah um at the minute so yeah i don't know it's it's yeah it's either that or giving out about somebody and then seeing the (laughs) irony in it (laughs) yeah still our 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 lyrical content is still very much 
those three things. <laughs> Giving out, reflecting on ourselves, and then what was the other one? What was the fucking other one uh, I was talking about? Oh yeah, funny lines. lines. Yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah, seeing the irony in it. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of that's it. That's it. I haven't thought about it any more than that. Yeah, and um, obviously, um, I feel like um, like the scratch is just like for, I, I saw, obviously I saw you in London, and like um, just like everything about the scratch seems to be like about having a laugh, which I feel like comes a lot from like the band on stage and like what you're what you're doing. But and that was the first time. Have you had you been a front person before? Nah, I mean I do this gig at home. Uh, it's with this drum troupe called the Hit Machine, and it's it's a uh, it's it's corporate entertainment and wedding entertainment. And basically, what it is is it's a it's a crew of drummers, four drummers, and we all wear kilts and these weird like fucking S and M looking leather vests. <laughs> and uh, we go into weddings, and the idea is like it's it's a twenty minute show, so. It generally happens after the main course when everyone's feeling a bit sluggish. So it, it injects energy back into the room. And it's it's comprised of, you know, drumming, <clears throat> some Irish dancing, and then some crowd interaction. So I I eventually just started having to do the crowd interaction bit, and uh, which I did not want to do. I just wanted to, I was like, Jesus, it's bad enough I'm wearing this fucking weird vest. I don't want to be talking to these people as well. But... <laughs> Sure, look, it's just the way it went, you know, like the, the, we, we just, I mean, at the time there was only one person like in the, in the hit machines infancy, there was only one person able to lead the gig. And then it grew to a point where it was, <clears throat> we were sending, you know, two or three troops of four out, out to, you know, three different weddings on any given night, you know, so I had to start doing the lead bit. Like, so that started the whole like so in in that sense yeah i guess i was being a front man um but it was really just talking to people talking to the crowd in between songs and then getting them to do things like you know crowd interaction or whatever and so i gained some confidence in talking to people and kind of demanding something from a crowd um from doing those gigs because at the end of the day like with, with the hit machine it's like you're going into a wedding so like it's not like you're you're walking out onto a stage where everyone there knows who you are and they're here there to see you you're walking out in this weird costume <clears throat> everyone's going who the fuck are these lads and uh you kind of just have to win them over in a sense and so it 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 definitely that definitely had a big help and then with with the scratch in the, in the early days uh I, I thought i say it like we started the scratch 20 years ago i mean three or four years ago <laughs> when we started doing the scratch <laughs> Uh, you know, it was an instrumental thing. And uh, because we didn't really know how to, like the lads were using obviously acoustic guitars, but they were playing through these little busking amps and they were fucking milling the guitars out of it. So, you know, they're constantly breaking strings, which led to a lot of dead air in between songs. So yeah. I I ended up just talking to the crowd and and just the more that happened, the more... I was like, you know what, fuck it, we could just keep things going because this is happening a lot. So instead of us just sitting there listening to guitars being tuned up, we could get a bit of a we get a bit of banter out of the crowd. And so I guess I felt the most comfortable doing that, just doing the hit machine stuff, and it it just grew from there. 
the whole the whole front man thing, I guess. Yeah, nice. Um, I guess uh, speaking about um, having a good laugh, um, would you be able to diver- divulge any of your um, old Uno stories? Yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been uh, asked uh, when I uh, asked some some friends maybe if they had anything that you think that I should scratch at. Oh, excuse the pun. Uh, that was definitely that that came up. This is a this is a hard question <laughs> to ask. Was like there's like <laughs> billions of stakes filtering through my head right now. Um, I mean, because I've I've uh, I've played a few games of Uno's Uno mm. for a few stakes, but I feel like um, from what I've uh, yeah from what I've heard, it's nothing close to uh, some of the stories that I've heard from people down the down the line. <laughs> it's just. I mean, it ranges from everything. Like, like, I mean, I think. It, How did it all start, Nelly? So, do you know the band Frustration? Yeah, you ever heard yeah. that band? Yeah, <clears throat> Irish hardcore band. So they uh, went on a tour with. Do you know Twitching Tongues? Okay, yeah. So they did a tour with them, and they came back, and they were like lads. Uno is the one. <laughs> and we were like, what? And they were like, look, let's just fucking do it. And uh, so I remember one of the stakes, Nelly from uh, Frustration, he lost and he had to uh, go up to the promoter who he had never met before. And he had to settle up with him. But he had to go up to him and just kiss him, introduce himself and kiss the promoter on the hand and just say nothing. And uh, I remember that made me fucking laugh. Imagine going up to a promoter you've never met before, you get to see, and when you shake his hand, you just kiss it. <laughs> and just say nothing. And then one of the other lads, Cruiser, uh, uh, played bass in frustration. He had to, um, he had to get into a taxi and then go across the back seat and get out the other side of the door. Or get out the other door. So you go in one door, moved across the seat and got out the other door. <laughs> and, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but just if you knew Cruiser, like, you know, he wouldn't be into that, let's say. Okay. And, uh, he apparently got out and the fucking taxi driver went fucking rasher at him. <laughs> you know, burned Perfect. off, screaming at him out the window. I remember, who else? Jesus, there. What else? I'm tr- oh, I feel so like you're missing there's, there's someone. There's so many juicy ones, and I'm trying. I'm struggling to fucking think of any of them. What's um, um, some of uh, some of your favorite? Well, some of your least favorite or favorite that when you've been stung with a loss. What's that feeling like when you know, fuck, I'm losing this? Oh, it's it's horrendous, but it's it's worth it for when you know, like, man, when the stake is bad and you're down to the last two. So it's your the stake. Heart, your heart is fucking beating, man. You know, and so and, you know the stake before you get to the end. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the deal. Like we all agree, it's like somebody suggests <laughs> the stake, and then it's like, all right, we're all over this. Yeah, okay, cool. And then you're just your heart is just beating, and then you get to the end, and it, you know, because it's such an unpredictable game. There's like a small level of skill involved, but beyond that, it's quite random. And uh, so even if you're on the last two and you've got 30 cards and the other person has two, it could still go the other way. So the unpredictability of it makes it yeah, incredibly like exciting, but terrifying at the same time, you know? And uh, like, I'm just, I'm trying to think of like, I know like one that always sticks, sticks out is one where I had to, uh, I had to do a video for along to the song. I'm too sexy. 
by right said Fred. Okay. Uploaded onto Facebook. And uh but when it happened, I was like, you know what, if we're gonna do this, let's just let's let's do this right. So we went all in, you know, like like <laughs> I wore like this costume and and uh, I was you know, we did like dozens of different scenes and edited it all together and then posted it on YouTube. Well, when um, I asked uh, Zach um, Golden, he did say granny costume. Is that where this yeah. granny costume comes from? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Granny. So we posted it up. <laughs> if, I think if you look up uh, Mr. Granny, I'm Too Sexy on, on YouTube, it, it should still be there. But the thing fucking, like, it blew up. Like, I, I put it on Facebook, and I was obviously quite embarrassed. At the time, I was like, Jesus, this is, this is, not, this is not ideal. Now, obviously, I can, you know, it's... I don't give a fuck. But at the time, I was like, I really don't want to do this. And anyway, I posted it online because that was the agreement. And then, like, people, so many people started sharing it. And then one of my <laughs> mates sent it into fucking joe.ie, and then they shared it. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's one that sticks out to me. I've definitely done, like, Jesus, I've, I've definitely done ones that I've I've... I really not enjoy, but I'm just I'm struggling to think of them. And then there's just the classics, like when we can't, when our imaginations aren't really in full flight, we'll do a few of the classics. You know, go out the back and take ten points of ice cold water to the chest, or whatever. All those kind of smaller stakes, make tea for everyone. But yeah, when it gets spicy, I feel like we've all we we've we're, we're all a little bit like the 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 core crew that played Uno are all a little bit traumatized from all the stakes we did. So we're, we've 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 lost our balls in a sense like we don't play it anymore yeah <laughs> play it anymore yeah i don't know we, we, it might come back around but we're, we're not feeling very ballsy these days all the worst stakes are buried deep in the subconscious as well yeah 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 <laughs> we were actually yeah. thinking of uh so there's there's four of us in the house at the minute there's normally six but one of us went back up uh to monaghan to where his mom is and um the Jordan was over with his girlfriend so the rest of us are just like you know thinking of ways to like I guess make money and we were we were flirting with the idea of you know streaming games of Uno and just coming up with really horrific stakes in the hopes that people would you know give us cash yeah humiliate (laughs) yourself for cash that's fair enough put it on Twitch and just say here's the stake and the loser yeah has to do whatever and uh what was one of them hold on does it the, i don't know pad we we took down a list of them there the other night and one of them ah they're they're i can't fucking remember any of them but anyway yeah that was like the first talks of of possibly getting uno again in in a long time um so if, i guess if, if there was ever a time to for it to resurface it would be uh during a quarantine <laughs> so what yeah, well- the space <laughs> nice um and then um i guess uh we probably um i won't keep you too much longer because um i know everyone's got loads of stuff to do at the moment oh yeah i'm fucking <laughs> flat out here <laughs> <laughs> but uh so you released your record on friday um was that with the thought that like the scratch is a laugh and like does bring seem to like bring a lot of smiles to people's faces so this seems like the perfect time to stick, put put the record out yeah we did a stream on Paddy's Day and it got a lovely response. 
and a lot of people were just like, ah, listen, just cheers for doing that. That was, uh, we really enjoyed that. Um, we got a lot from it. And we also got a lot from it. And Doc then was like, you know, the following day, he just posted in the WhatsApp group. He was like, lads, will we just like put the fucking album out now instead of faffing around. And it was an immediate yes from from the lot of us. We just thought, fuck it, yeah. Like, I mean, if if they if if the people that are tuning into the band are getting a lot out of us jamming some tunes in the kitchen, like let's just let's throw the album out. And uh, it just it was just for us as well. I think we've been sitting on this album for a couple of months, which is which goes against how we usually approached releases. You know, normally we would. Um, you know, record the tune and then just lash it up as quick as possible. Like, just come up with a video concept, shoot the thing, throw it up online. And with this, we were sitting on it for a while because I guess there was, you know, there was interest. There was interest from various people, and so we were holding on to see if there was an offer put on the table. And ultimately, like, we decided to just pair on ahead because we were getting a bit frustrated with just sitting around and not putting it yeah. out. And it just felt very unnatural for us. Um, so we had, we had a planned date of release and it was to just go in line with when the vinyls will be ready, which was, I think it was like May, June, but then this all happened and doc suggested putting it out earlier. And we were all like, yeah, actually let's just, and, cause I think we all wanted it out anyway. We're, the only reason we were holding off is just for the vinyls to coincide with the release. But yeah, so it, it that was it really. It was just like, fuck it. Let's just lash it out. Yeah, Death. and here it is. Yeah, so and it's yeah, it's it's it feels great to have it out. Um, it's kind of yeah, it's just yeah, it's kind of just I don't want to say a weight off because it's not like it was a weight on our shoulders, but it's just nice to just get it out. It just feels good. So I'm glad, you know, it was the silver lining, um, with this whole thing, certainly in terms of the scratch, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and then you're playing the record through uh, Friday, right? Yeah, right? so <clears throat> we actually don't know how possible that is uh, given the uh, new regulations that have been put in place. I don't know what the story is over your way, but as of Saturday, or is it, what's this today? Sunday. I think it was Friday night, I want to say, um, or Thursday, but there's new regulations on the lockdown and that you have to stay in the house that you are currently in. So, yeah. which means that Pete and Jordo would be kind of, yeah, they'd have to come, they'd have to leave where they are. And it's just not ideal. Like Pete's is a, a family man. He's got, he's got kids and he's got a, you know, a missus that he, you know, that, that obviously takes priority. And then Jordo is with his girlfriend. So, uh, I don't know where we stand with that. I think it might have to, it might have to go on the long finger until these uh, latest regulations get lifted. So I don't know. We haven't fully decided on it yet, but it's looking that way, uh, which yeah. means we might have to postpone the the stream. But in any case, we will. We will at some point. You know, once once we're allowed, I think. You know, because we all want to just adhere to these these regulations. Because the, the quicker we do, sure, the quicker we get out of it. You know. Yeah, for sure. That's it. And doing like the responsible thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't want to be silly, yeah. silly billies. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I guess the only thing um, I've got really that I was I thought of um, when I was listening to your record, I was listening to that last song and I was like, you know, pottering about the kitchen, I think. I was like, fuck, man, what does it, this well reminds me of something. Yeah. Oh, what is, and then I like looked down and I was like, saw the name of the song, and I was like, oh, like, yeah, that'd be it. Is that, uh, or am I putting two and two together? Well, no, I guess you don't really need to comment on that, but uh, no, it did make me laugh. That, that, <laughs> that is literally it. Um, <laughs> I've yeah, which is, I remember, I think we were going to call the song "The Wise Man" uh, or "Wise Man" or something like that, and I had the idea of because I'm I'm a big Underworld fan. Um, yeah. only recently um it's only in the last year that i've i've gone down the underworld rabbit hole but boy jesus they have me by the balls like i i'm just like i can't believe i'm only getting into this band now but also grateful for that because it's all just new to me and i'm like fucking hell um but yeah i just wanted to write i wanted i, I was just looking for any opportunity to do that kind of style of vocal and uh yeah so Jordo had these beautiful chords that he was jamming one day and he had it in a weird feel, like it was in a more of a swing feel and uh, a triplet feel. Uh, but I, I just heard it in this, you know, in the feel that it's in now, just that, just the kind of straight fucking balls to the wall, just pumper sound. I just had that. I just, I was like, oh, if we could make it underworldy, then I could do the vocally thing. That I'm <laughs> new braids, you know, and, and uh, so that's how that came about. And, it's it's funny, like I've mixed feelings about that song because I feel like the verses, the verses get better as they go, and I regret not going back and like editing, like or just coming up with another draft for like say the first and second verse because I like I like the third verse and then the final verse before it goes into the the big break at the end of the song, and I wish I'd kind of spent more time in the early two, but like. As well, it was just such a learning experience for me. Like I'd never done anything like that before, and I was like, you know, like so, like I'm I'm happy with it. But yeah, that's definitely that's definitely who it's inspired by. One hundred percent underworld. <laughs> Amazing. Um, are you playing in any bands um, like full kit at the moment? Um, I play with a I play in a wedding band called After Party, and we play um, like soul and disco, and you know. I guess Amazing. chart chart toppers, uh, like modern modern chart toppers, and it's really it's it's the band is comprised of myself and and uh, a couple of mates, so it's a lot of fun. But nothing uh, outside of that, man. I've been playing. Uh, I after after monuments, I just I haven't. I've barely touched the kit. I haven't yeah. touched double pedal. I've just been going down. Uh, like as I said, I've been listening to a lot of underworld, and I'm. I'm I'm delving deeper and deeper into the world of techno. Okay. And, uh, I just got my hands on an Ableton push there. One of my housemates is uh he's like the Ableton guru of of Dublin City and uh he just so happens to live in my gaff. So he had a spare Ableton push and he's he's I guess my uh my my casual mentor in the whole thing, but I've been just I've been doing a lot of that fucking around with Ableton and then just trying to write like playing guitar of all things just trying to write uh tunes for the scratch like I've I've written two two tunes like the basis for two new tunes for the next album so recording playing guitar fucking around with Ableton push playing the cajon 
So very little drumming right now. But I am getting an itch. I was watching, I don't know, are you a fan of uh, Knocked Loose? Um, I've, I see the name all the time, but I've never listened to him, to be honest. So I've, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't be too familiar with their stuff. But I've just, like like yourself, I've heard the name so much. And I've I've listened to them here and there. And I'm like, all right, I'm into this. There's, a, there's, a, there's an energy about this. And uh, myself and Doc, we're watching a lot of interviews with them uh yesterday and like rig rundowns and stuff like that and then a couple of we watched like a live show and i got a i got a a major urge to just play a riff <laughs> i was like yeah. jesus christ I, I do miss that i would love to fucking smash out a few riffs play a drum kit and uh, play a show so like it's not like i've I'm, it's not like oh, i'm done with it you know i'm done with drums i'm i definitely just yeah. i think i'm just i don't have any real specific drive until yesterday now uh, to play them and uh, I'm just going to leave that be and I know I'll come back around to it and then I'll just you know I'll, I'll, I don't know something will something will yeah when it happens it happens doesn't it exactly exactly I'm not forcing it I'm enjoying this new kind of interest or, you know this new buzz of just arsing around on Ableton and then just trying to write just trying to play guitar and sing and write lyrics and stuff that's been the main focus creatively Amazing. Well, I yeah. think that there's not really much more to uh, to say, really, um, in the uh, as far as the podcast goes. So I just, yeah, thank you for taking an hour out of your day to uh, to jump on and talk. Ah, cheers, man. It was a pleasure. Good chatting to you again. Sweet. I'll uh, click stop recording now. Grand. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It was edited by Liam. Please hit him up if you've got anything uh, that you uh, need doing audio-wise at Liam C Audio on Twitter. This is song is called War of the Buttons and it's by The Scratch. Enjoy. More-